This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This episode of Vet Candy is powered by Centrix Animal Care, makers of Acunovis Biohance Gel Eye Drops. Learn more at CentrixAnimalCare.com. to another episode of Vet Candy's podcast, In Other News. This is a podcast to expand your idea of what is impacting the veterinary world, veterinarians, and all animal care professionals as humans. We are your co-hosts. I am Dr. Jen. And I am Dr. Jason Chatfield. And if you are not yet a Vet Candy subscriber... Why not? Please subscribe for free today at myvetcandy.com. You can also reach me with messages of love and positivity at jen at myvetcandy.com. Or if you want to speak the truth, I can handle the truth. You can reach me at jason at myvetcandy.com. Our topic today is corneal ulcers and ophthalmology. In other news, dogs have to go to the ophthalmologist also? I really thought that was a human thing. What's happening here? Well, they have eyeballs, right? Two, I think. Most of them have two. Yes, that's correct. But, that's but I thought they, they outgrew have- those. I thought that didn't really happen in dogs, and they have to go get their eyes checked out. Just like I have to get my – although everybody knows I have perfect vision and will always have perfect vision. And so all of you other lesser people have to go to the eye doctor and get their eyes checked out. But that does happen to dogs, right. I guess. You have perfect vision. So what explains when, you, when your dart misses the creature totally then? Bad gun. It, someone, oh, someone, somebody named, I won't remain nameless, messed with the, with the site because I was doing so good they had to bring me down a little bit. That's the only explanation that oh, is certainly oh. not my eyesight. Oh, so sorry. The poor craftsman once again blaming his tools. Yeah, no, but dogs have eyes. And so, of course, they have an ophthalmologist, right? They should, they should. I would think. And yeah. so, but, but luckily it's not me because everyone in the Candyverse is aware that there's only two things that gross me out. And it's eyeballs and brains, and I like eyes just gross me out. So I, I, I love actually, it. I actually didn't know that. That's I'll chalk that up to something I did not know. I was unaware. Really? I'm not sure how I can use that in the future, but that's uh, interesting. Interesting news. Oh, you're marking that down. Mark, aren't you? I'm okay. marking it down. Yes, for future. Yeah. Well, luckily, luckily, we don't have to be concerned or grossed out because there are experts. Yes, there and are. Of course, as per the huge. In other news, is bringing an expert into the candy verse for everyone. We are joined today by Dr. DJ. Get ready for it, Hoistler. Dr. Hoistler, welcome to the candy verse. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. I gotta yeah. say, I gotta say, coolest name ever. I'm sure you get that a lot, but that is just a cool veterinary DJ Hoistler. 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 It's very cool. Nobody can say it, so it, it can't be really that great. It gets messed up all day, so I'll take any pronunciation that, that people give me. Wait, did I mess it up? I said it right. No, you guys say it perfectly. Boom! That's because you spelled it for us phonetically. That's the only reason we got it right. That's right. That's right. I love, I love that your email address is like the phonetic spelling of your last name. <laughs> That's really so good. No I had a license plate with that one for a while. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, so you're an ophthalmologist, right? And um, you, I think you, did you graduate from the Ohio State University? I did. I graduated from the Ohio State University about three, a while or, ago. three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> three or four times. <laughs> I was on the remedial course. Before, before, oh, fantastic. Before we get to the eyes, because I know everyone wants to hear about eyes, 
listen, inquiring minds that don't go to that aforementioned university really want to know what's up with the the. Like, what's up with that? Can you explain that? Or is that not something we can get into? Or is it one of those, you got to be part of the club to understand it situation? The the uh, in front of Ohio State University has been uh, trademarked for longer than people realize. It's been around for a long time, but they, seems like more recently over the last couple decades, they started using it a little bit more often, but pretty much everybody that uh, has gone to school there does not use the the. We all just call it Ohio State. Oh, only when you're on world-famous podcasts and news shows, you have to stick it in there just to, just to kind of go with the flow, huh? That's exactly right. You got to stick like, the V in there. It, it, gives you, it gives you extra credibility. I understood. I, listen, if I had that, I would do that. All right, moving on. I digress. All right. Well, I, I mean, I think that we, we should introduce you appropriately then. You are the Dr. DJ Hoistler. <laughs> I've never another- had anybody put the in front of my name, but I guess so. But there's another Dr. Hoistler in the veterinary world, isn't there? There is. There's actually two of them. There's my father, Dr. Dave Hoistler, uh, who is a um, retired general practitioner, small animal general practitioner. And then there's my wife, Dr. Jamie Hoistler, uh, who is also a small animal veterinarian. Oh my gosh, a veterinarian as a wife, that is, I mean, I don't want to say anything. That's great. Good deal there. <laughs> he doesn't want to say anything, Dr. Hoistler, because he's got to go home. Yeah. To his wife, who's a veterinarian. <laughs> yeah. I'm, always, I'm always happy to meet fellow inbreeders like yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent that's excellent okay so you went to the ohio state uh, university and and you have a fair number of you've got a, a practice now like you're you know saving eyeballs on a daily basis right yeah so i have three practices i have one in uh, dayton ohio one in cincinnati ohio and then one in florence kentucky oh so if you're in kentucky or ohio your dogs or cats i should say cats have eyeballs too your dogs or cats eyes could be worked on by the dj hoistler yeah, we do pretty much everything. I also Fridays I spend my time in, on equine calls as well. So I go out to a lot of farms uh, on Fridays, and um, that's a good way to get out of the office. Look at some other cool critters. Yeah. Wait a minute. Horses have eye problems. Indeed. Yeah, but can't their eye problems sometimes be because the veterinarian or someone sticks their finger all the way up inside the eyelid and rolls it around? Because I've seen that people do that looking for the foreign body. That's crazy. I have seen it. I have, you know, well, I have done that and gone up and, and looking for stuff, but I've never seen a veterinarian injure a, an animal that way. Oh, okay. Good. Good to know. Good to know. So I can try it next time. Only if DJ's watching because yeah, he's got the good watch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You don't okay. want to be case number one. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I digress just a hair here because uh, we really want to talk about uh, corneal ulceration in and well, I guess we're going to focus on dogs and uh, and cats. But are there any other weird creatures besides horses that you work on, like alligators or birds or what? Yeah, I've seen. I, I like to keep a nice list of of um, different critters, creatures I've I've looked at. Um, so uh, I've looked at a raccoon named Styles that had cataracts. Uh, he was pretty pretty neat. Um, I've looked at. I've done surgery on. Hammerhead sharks. Uh, I've looked at shark rays, uh, alligators, bearded dragons, variety of different pocket pets. Hammerhead yeah. sharks got to be interesting, right? Yeah, yeah those, those were cool cases to, to to look at those guys. They were they're pretty interesting. They were little babies when when I had to look at those guys. Um, so that that was definitely an interesting day. They're just weird creatures to begin with, right? And uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah pretty neat yeah. stuff. So. Cows, pigs, horses. Uh, looked at a tiger cub. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's neat. It's one of the specialties that you can 
I was uh, going to say, not a Tiger King, though, right? You only looked at a Tiger King. I was going to say, I, I didn't see him on the, on the uh, must not be true, because I didn't see him on the video there. So. I, I know, I didn't never, either. I have <laughs> never met Carol Baskin, and I've never <laughs> been on Joe Exotic TV. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay. okay, so now we got our pop culture reference out of the way, right? Early. So when we're talking about ulcerations, corneal ulcerations in dogs, common or uncommon? Very common. Probably the most common thing that I see throughout the day. Okay, so I don't need to feel bad or other dog owners don't need to feel bad if all of a sudden their dog has a corneal ulcer pop up. No, not at all. It's, um, you know, it, it's probably what I see 60 to 70% of the day. And um, certainly one of the things that if things are not going well or they are mismanaged in a way, then things get kind of tricky, either surgery or, you know, more expensive sort of treatments, things like that. So things are referred quickly and clients bring them in quickly so that they can be addressed. Yeah. So one, the one thing I remember about this, I don't know a lot about eyes, but I do know, I do know this. I think it's true. I think you just, you just made me feel very smart. They go bad in a hurry. Is that true? Like they can go bad in a hurry. They can melt. They yep. go yep. bad in a hurry. So the cornea itself is only about 0.5 millimeters thick. So uh, you don't have a whole lot of time to mess around. So we, we try to use that as a way to educate veterinarians that um, this isn't necessarily something you should feel bad about referring immediately if you feel out of your comfort zone, because that is in, in the best interest of the animal. Well, wow. Okay, so we're, we're talking about a very, very limited amount of tissue. And we're talking about scraping it, scratching it, ulcerating it. And as soon as we get to the other side of this quick break, then we're going to talk about what to do about it when the dog shows up in the practice. All right, so we're going to pay some bills and we'll be right back. Catch you on the other side. Does your pet have dry or painful, irritated eyes? If left untreated, dry eyes can lead to further complications, including scarring or even blindness. Ocunova's Biohance Gel Eye Drops are scientifically proven to relieve dry eyes in pets. Our patented, all-natural, cross-linked hyaluronic acid-based formulation provides long-lasting lubrication for your pet's eyes. Just apply one drop in each eye twice a day to help relieve your pet's dry eyes and keep them happy and comfortable. Learn more at CentrexAnimalCare.com. That's S-E-N-T-R-X AnimalCare.com. Oh, sure. It's all fun and games until someone ends up in a cone. That's right. We are animals. Deal with it. Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back, news hounds. In the candy verse today is ophthalmologist, guru, and all around a uh, good guy, Dr. D, the Dr. DJ Hoistler. And we were talking all about corneal ulcers, which can go bad in a hurry. Okay, so Dr. Hoistler, if I'm in a general practice and dog comes in, if, and it comes in because it's either scratching at its eye or it's rubbing it on the carpet or it's got some nastiness draining out of it, right? Is, has anything changed in diagnosing that ulceration? You know, do we have we gone beyond like fluorescein staining, or like what am I doing with that? No, the the basics still apply. Um, so uh, there hasn't been a whole lot change in that regard, which is great because that means that we haven't necessarily have to evolve in terms of testing or anything like that. Your uh, big kind of heavy hitters when it comes to a minimum database are uh, Shermer tear testing, 
fluorescein staining, tonometry for intraocular pressures, mm-hmm. and then and then a light, a good light source so that you can you can look. And like, am I black lighting that? Like here's, cause there's always this discussion when I, cause I've done relief in like a thousand different practices. Like Jason, do you have a black light in your practice? We do. Ask me if it comes on. Yeah, <laughs> I have one. I have no, I don't think it works. Okay. Well, there's always like this thing I've been told by people in other practices. They're like, uh, yeah, you don't need that. And so we don't have it. Do I need a black light? Yeah, I think you absolutely need a black light so that you can highlight the, the corneal ulcers. Um, you'll be surprised what you can find find with it. So yeah, of course, step number one is is having a black light. And, and yeah, step number two would be using it. So yeah. yeah, chalk that up. So I did poor again. All right, great. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Something else I did wrong. <laughs> Love this show. Right. right. I, 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 not only do you have to take the reservation, you have to hold the reservation. Yeah. <laughs> it's right? true. Okay. All right, so so I'm gonna stain it. I'm, so should I do? So if the dog comes in with the eye problem, what you're saying is my minimum. The minimum things I should do it shouldn't just be the fluorescein stain. It should be I should have a look at it right with my ophthalmoscope, which is rudimentary at best compared to what you're what you're using to look at eyes. And then I should do a Schirmer tear test. Yeah, you really should. You know, there's a vast majority of ocular diseases missed by not doing uh, Schirmer tear testing. Uh, it's amazing how many cases that we see that have low tear production that weren't necessarily clinical for it. Oh. So usually clinical is thought to be the mucoid discharge or corneal vascularization, you know, red yeah. eyelids or, or around the eye. But usually if they get to that point, their tear testing is very low. So 10 or less typically in that range. But uh, you can okay. have corneal ulcers at, with a tear production of you know, 11, 12, 13, and they may not be quote unquote clinical for it. Uh, and why, so, wow. so a low tear test correlates to more susceptible to ulcers. Is that, is that what you're saying? Or did I hear that, did I hear that wrong? That's right. So, so you need a good tear production or a good tear film in order to prevent corneal ulceration. So a good way to think about it is um, if you ride around in a convertible, hold your eyelid open and don't close it and watch how fast it, it dries out and, and how painful that is. Let's, vote, let's take a vote really quick. I vote Jen. Dr. Jen can do that and we'll time it on her. Is that correct? Okay. Three to nothing. Look at that. She volunteered. Good for you. I will not do that. And look it, just so that the lawyers are all comfortable, don't try that at home. If you try it, you are on your own. We're not <laughs> Involved, yeah, right? We're not okay. endorsing that, but that's a great, a great, um, a great uh, analogy. Analogy. I couldn't think of that word. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay. So that's incredible. So can we prevent corneal ulcers then? So is I that think what you're saying? You can't prevent all corneal ulcers. You know, some of okay. them are going to be there are going to be traumatically related. Uh, you know, where you, that's you can't prevent that. Right. There are some that are going to be associated with eyelid disease, so entropian. Um, so you know, evaluating those animals and correcting the entropian before you get an ulcer, I, that could be argued that, that you could prevent those ulcers. So some ulcers ulcers can't, you know, if you get, you know, in middle-aged and older dogs, you have indolent ulcers and Mm -hmm. there's a argument there that those are spontaneous. And so those can't be prevented either. Okay. But so for folks that 
You're going to go ahead and tell us what entropion means. Go ahead, get to it. For those who are are trying to keep up with the drinking game at home, entropion, (laughs) when the eyelids are rolled inward, right, Dr. DJ? That's exactly right. And the eyelashes are scratching against the cornea instead of just sitting lightly outside the eye. And can you imagine how painful that has to be, right? That's just got to be. Yeah, so that's a good point. So a lot of pet owners don't realize how painful some of these conditions are. And I I usually will Mm -hmm. ask them, uh, or they'll ask me if it's painful, entropion, and I'll say, yeah. And they'll say, well, you know, he, he doesn't seem painful. Or she doesn't seem painful. And I usually say, well, you know, have you ever had a hair in your eye and does that hurt? And they say, yeah. And I said, well, okay, well, imagine that is 50 to 100 hairs that are scratching across your cornea every oh. time you blink. Every then, single time. Then we start to understand a little bit better. Yeah. But there are certain breeds that are prone to like a congenital entropion, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of breeds out there that can develop these as they, as they, you know, go through their early, you know, year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Bulldogs are the, are some of the biggest ones. Sharpays are another breed. Big shock. Uh, the, um, can you imagine that Sharpay hair? That just yeah, feels like oh, just needles in your eye. Yeah. Those are rough. Big dogs that have big, eyelids uh saint bernards newfoundlands those breeds great danes they're all very susceptible to to entropion okay interesting i never thought about the new fees and the saint bernards okay so we know some of the things that cause them so we know we're going to diagnose them because we're going to do that minimum database and uh frankly the tonopin exists to enrich my life because (laughs) it's so hard to use consistently effectively consistently right like you got to really do it the same way every time don't you yeah it's a learned skill you know like anything so the more you do it the the better you are at it you know so mm-hmm. so yeah it's 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 like anything you know it's it's not like anything those of you guys that can use those and use them well kudos to you guys they can be tricky so stop downplaying how difficult they are that's why we have you we say if i get if i get the point where i got his tonal pin i am referring this case because i can't okay. do it Okay, so we get our minimum database and we say, uh-oh, ulcer, ulcer. And let's presume for the time being that our tonopin was excellently employed and it says <laughs> that our pressure is, is normal, <laughs> whatever normal is. And now what? So the, I would think the biggest things to look at when you look at these ulcers is uh, the depth of the ulcer. Can you tell if it is deep or if it is superficial? That's one of the biggest sort of um, gut checks, really, because if you are looking at this and, and you say, man, that, that, looks like a, that looks like a hole, you know, that looks like a pothole, Th- that's a problem, you know, that needs to be addressed very quickly and very aggressively. Every ulcer technically should be, a, you know, attacked aggressively and, and, and in a timely manner, but if you're looking at a hole, I think that's, that's when you start to pay attention a little bit more. Yeah, and isn't that um, doesn't that? Are you talking about a whole like a desmetoseal? Like a desmetoseal, yes. Mm. Did you hear me popping out, Jason, with the big word? Did you hear it? Yeah, I, it, was, it was. It was wonders never cease. <laughs> <laughs> so, so can you describe for us? Because I know what desmetoseal is like right before, right before the eye starts to melt out. Right, it's like it's so, got like one little layer. So they're a little bit different. A desmetoseal is where 99% of the uh, corneal stroma is eroded until you get down to a layer called decimase membrane. And that is for the veterinarians out there, you are now at the thickness of essentially a neutrophil before the eye should rupture. 
<laughs> pretty quick. He's saying pretty quick. Pretty quick. So it's coming. So we consider those to be surgical emergencies. You know, they should be referred um, immediately. And those are typically corrected uh, before I leave the office. Oh, never let the sun set on a Desmetto seal. Never let the sun set on a Desmetto seal. That's awesome, right? Never let the sun set on a Pyometra and never let the sun set on a Desmetto seal. There awesome. you go. Okay. So, all right. So I'm, I'm looking at a hole. What, like, what is your, your first choice? Like, what are my choices to treat it? Right. Because I had like, and you know, um, Dr. Dan Wolf is a good friend of mine. He was like my eyeball mentor <laughs> because he was also my phone a friend <laughs> and he's retired now, but he would always say, you got to keep it slippery, keep it slippery. Right. But what am I going to keep it slippery with? And what am I going to do about an infection and all that? What am I going to do with this eye? So it's very good to understand what different antibiotics do uh, for the eye and where their spectrum is. Are they broad spectrum? Or are they narrow spectrum? Just as it's important as a veterinarian to know which specific antibiotics will target specific tissues, sure. those are also important for the eye. So one of the things that I always try to teach in CE and things like that is understanding your antibiotics and understanding which ones to use and when to use them. Your ophthalmic medications should consist of way more than just triple antibiotic. Right. Um, triple antibiotic is, is not the only <laughs> antibiotic that's out there. What? There's more? There, there's a whole lot more. Believe it or uh, not. I'm doing not... so bad with eyes. It's a good thing I just, I just boot them on, right? I'm a referral center. All right, just move on. All right. Yeah. And, and, Fill me in. You know, Fill me I know in. this is surprising, but I did not do a three-year residency in how to utilize triple antibiotics. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be more, right? Yeah, there's, there's more to it, you know? The first year was how to take the calf off. <laughs> yeah. Second year is you got to be able to you got to be able to spell the entire label of triple antibiotics, and then um, we spend a good six months learning just how frequently to dose it, and and then you're almost done at that point. You're almost overly educated now. I mean, that's yeah. just too much. Precisely. Yeah. Okay. So, but that's interesting. And I will say, shameless plug here on behalf of Dr. DJ uh, about his ophthalmology, veterinary ophthalmology CE, which is available for free on myvetcandy.com slash CE so that if you forget how, what he's about to tell us about these antibiotics, which is apparently the key to saving eyeballs, um, you can find it there. Okay, so I'm ready to download the info from you, <laughs> Dr. Hoisler. Which, which is your go-to first-line empirical choice for treating like first presentation uncomplicated corneal ulcer? Okay, so my favorite to use would be ofloxacin. So ofloxacin is a broad-spectrum fluoroquinolone. It's one step above ciprofloxacin, which many people are familiar with. Uh, ciprofloxacin seems to be a little bit more irritating to the eye. Ofloxacin is better tolerated. Uh, it's typically dosed at four times a day. So one of the things that we see in our referral practice um, done incorrectly is, is underdosing. Um, so you have to dose it at four times a day to to have it uh, be effective. Can you overdose stuff in the eye? So you can't really overdose it too much right. if we're talking about antibiotics. So if we're talking about, you know, there out, are, right? you know, if we're talking about a different subset of diseases and you're using steroids, then yes, absolutely, you oh. can overdose them. Uh, but when it comes to antibiotics, you can underdose them quite a bit, but it's fairly mm -hmm. difficult to overdose them. And so the ofloxacin that you like, is that a, a solution or is that an ointment? It's a solution. Okay, that's what I thought. 
Okay. Well, hold on. I have a question for all of us regular folks here. So which, which would you say, is, I guess this is a, a terrible question. You're going to say it's a dumb question. It depends. But which is better, a solution? If, can you get it in solution or an ointment if you have the choice? Which, which is actually a better case for clients? Because it's not me doing it. It's a client going home having to do this to their dog. So in, in general, I would say that solutions are better tolerated. Um, they're also better appreciated by the clientele. Um, they, uh, a lot of the ointments that we use, we shouldn't be using ointments if the ulcer is incredibly deep because if the ulcer were to rupture and then we have that jelly and petroleum and ah. ointment that goes inside the eye, we can do more damage on the inside of the eye, whereas a solution yeah. will not damage the inside of the eye. Every client's Ooh, a little bit different. Some, some will prefer to use an ointment over a solution and some like solutions more than ointments. Some of it comes down to cost. Sometimes the ointments are more expensive than solutions. So, um, you know, maybe a client would rather have, would use a solution to, to save some money. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. species kind of plays into it as well. Horse owners would rather do ointments than solutions because it's very difficult to get that that horse to turn his head sideways right. to get the solution in. <laughs> to get it to work, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or a pug or a Frenchie because you can't grab the nose and turn it, right? There's no, no but their eyeball is so big that you can just drop it in the you general just, area and it usually hits them. Yeah, you can just go from across the room and be like, yeah. gotcha, all right? It's so funny. Okay, so is there anything, because like you've just talked about some really scary stuff, so I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and say, is there anything I can do to promote I guess, promote that ulcer not rupturing? Like, is there anything else? Like, I'm going to put my an antibiotic stuff in there, but what else can I put in there that can help keep that from rupturing? Right. So one of the things that you can use, there's been some more uh, recent evidence to show that cross-linked hyaluronic acid will, as a lubricant, so you can use a lubricant that employs a cross-linked hyaluronic acid, and this will uh, help epithelial migration move faster across the eye. So when we look at using these, uh, we don't just want to use the cross-linked hyaluronic acid in yeah. and of it by itself, but from an adjunctive standpoint, with the usage of, of antibiotics, you can give that ulcer a better shot at healing. Interesting. So for this ulcer, and uh, I'm using, like Dr. GJ recommends, uh, ofloxacin as my first-line empirical antibiotic. I'm adding in an adjunct um, of a cross-linked hyaluronic acid product to not only lubricate, because I just feel like that, like the eye must be on fire. So I'm going right. to lubricate, but that's also going to promote my healing because it's going to let the migration occur or kind of enhance that opportunity, right? That's exactly right. So when am I rechecking this? Because I know I'm not just sending them home and saying good luck to you, right? That's right. In conjunction with all of that, we want to try to figure out the cause of the ulcer if we can identify what is the reason why this ulcer occurred. Uh, because if, if we know why it occurred, then that may also become part of our treatment plan. So okay. you know, if it was a traumatic ulcer, such as, uh, you know, a dog got, I had a case one time where a dog jumped up in the air as the owner came home and threw a set of keys across the, the room to land on the couch and the keys hit the dog in the eye. So we know what caused the ulcer. We know it wasn't a uh, anatomic abnormality or anything like that. We know it was a traumatic event. Uh, oh, so Lord. We treat it and it ends up, ends up healing. But if, if we find out that, you know, it's... And the dog was scarred for life. Anytime he heard the car keys, yeah, it wasn't... Yeah, he's No kid, that's yeah. all I was thinking. He's scared. Yeah. That was done Duck. after that. No more... Duck and cover. Yeah, no more greeting the owner at the door after that one. No. Um, <laughs> Maybe yeah. with the other end. Okay. 
Anyway, so traumatic ulcer. We know, like, we're just gonna not do that again, right? Yeah, and we know we know how to treat it and how to get by it. But if the ulcer is secondary to an entropion, uh, then we know we've got to incorporate a surgical repair to fix the entropion and get the ulcer to heal. And is that something I'm doing as a general practitioner, or are you recommending? Like, when when am I going to refer it? I guess is my question because so like at emergency clinics, like where I used to live and and breathe. I mean, mostly for eyes, what I did was shove the eye back in, <laughs> sew it shut, and refer them the next morning, and, and someone else could decide to take it out, right? Because you couldn't put it back in, you know? That's right. If, like, yeah, if I took so- it out that night, I couldn't send it with the owner for you to put it back in the next day, so I didn't take it out. Right. So this is a great question, and, and it's difficult to talk about to some extent, but it's fun to talk about, and that is that I don't know what every practitioner can do. You know, so I, I don't know what their skill set is. You know, I know what my skill set is. I know what my team's skill set is. And that's all I got. So it would be very self-serving to me to say, you know, everything that develops a corneal ulcer or an eye problem should come see me. Um, <laughs> you know, Unless you know that's not going to happen. That's not the reality. It's not going to happen, you know. So it, it, that'd be very self-serving for me to say, and it's not real life. So I think you have to evaluate your, you know, where is your comfort level? And, and no matter what your comfort level is, you shouldn't be embarrassed by it or, or, you know, anything like that. You know, if um, there are people that are just awesome in general practitioners with eyes, and then there's people that are not that's so not good. Me. Jason, right. is that you? No. And I think that's, a, I was, that was my question. That's a very good point. So I think is if everyone understands, Hey, I'm not the only, only one referring um, just a non-complicated ulcer because I just have bad luck with them. I shouldn't feel bad because we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for the dog and what's best for the dog, cat, horse, or porcupine, whoever you're looking at, send it to somebody that can deals with this for a living. And so I think that's an important point that you just made that don't be embarrassed. Send it off. You may be too busy. Maybe the other stuff going on. It doesn't really matter. We've already mentioned eyes can't wait. (laughs) So don't Mm -hmm. wait and send it off to somebody that can deal with it. So you really have to look at it too. You know, what, you know, what, what is the risk here? You know, like what, what are you gaining if you do hold on to it? You know, if, Mm -hmm. if, you know, if, and the risk is you lose an eye that that's a, that's a big risk, you know, pretty big risk in my book. Yeah. So that's a huge risk. But the other thing is sometimes clients don't, they don't really respond as well. They're not listening, I guess. They don't understand the gravity of the situation sometimes with their general practitioner because they see them all the time. Right. And so sometimes I think they might respond a little bit differently to, for instance, if, they, if it was Dr. Hoistler, the Dr. Hoistler, the ophthalmologist telling them, you need to put this in four times a day and you need to not miss a dose, you know, because your dog only has two eyes versus their general practitioner that they see all the time you know, that might not have the same kind of oomph, you know, with that direction. It's true, but everyone can use the words, this may result in loss of an eye. And so, <laughs> you know, that, so that's scary for anybody to hear, no matter who says it, you know. And yeah, that's very I, true. And, and it's not overly scaring people. I mean, you got 0.5 millimeters to work with. The risk is that you lose an eye. I so think that, that, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think that's a great thing, to, the great bit of knowledge for practitioners mm-hmm. to have. Okay, you don't, you don't, you can see it on their face. They don't believe you. You can say, listen, you got this much to work with. We got to deal with this. If you don't deal with it, it's going to go away. And then you have a mess on your hands. Excellent point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so one of the things that to, to kind of go back to, to what Dr. Jason was saying as well is that, you know, one of the things I hear all the time from veterinarians is I just don't feel comfortable treating eyes or I don't feel like I'm good at it. Now, there are a lot of options out there in terms of CE and getting better and and things like that. But if you want to refer it because you want to go back to things that you are comfortable at, that's an okay thing to do. Like it's okay Mm -hmm. for the animal. 
It's okay for the client. You know, it's, it's okay for you, your team, and the ophthalmologist to just say, look, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm going to go back yeah. to doing what I am comfortable with, you know? Yeah. No, I... A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like I am very comfortable with C-sections. <laughs> Whereas very I am not. Okay. You know? So, so I, like, you know, if, if someone yeah. comes to me and says, you know, Hey, Dr. Hoysler, you're board certified. Why don't you do this C-section? The answer is no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, no, not no. even thinking about it, huh? The answer is no, it, no, no, no I, twice on Sundays. And this, yeah. past, this past weekend, uh, one of my technicians asked me to help her out with, with some ear cytology on her cat. And I said, no, you have to go back to your general practitioner. You have to talk to people that understand this stuff better than me. I'm an eye guy, you know, like that's all it is. Yeah. And Jason is going to go back to hanging from a tree limb while looking at the sloth, right? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm comfortable with. He's good at that. Yeah, I've never yeah. done that and I don't know that I ever will. Yes, of course. Okay, but you want to. Everybody, I thought you were going to say, I don't want to. Of course you would want to. Who doesn't? Yeah, of course I would want to. Absolutely, yeah. okay. You could do an opto exam while hanging upside down with the sloth. Oh, life goals. Yeah, you got to yes. do it very slowly, though. Very slowly. Life yes. goals. Okay, so I, ha I do have one more question, right, just to kind of tie this up with a bow here. Because, so we mentioned, you mentioned a couple of different common causes of corneal ulcerations in dogs, right? So the entropion, which we're going to fix by fixing the eyelid so it's not turned in, it's turned out like it's supposed to be. And then just a trauma, right? Unexpected trauma, you know, flying keys, that's still crazy. Right. Running through the bushes, you know, not closing your eyes, riding the convertible, holding your eyes open, um, those <laughs> sorts of things. But what are the, are there other preventable ones and the causes? Because I'm thinking of something like KCS, right? right? That's right. So that is a hugely preventable cause of corneal ulceration is that, and something that you absolutely can get comfortable with as a general practitioner is tear testing and evaluating these animals as part of their routine examinations. You know, every six to 12 months, Mm -hmm. you know, these dogs should be looked at for tear testing and, and where it's at because you will catch them uh, when they start to drop and then you can treat them and mm -hmm. you can help avoid some of these ulcerations. There's a, you know, as dogs get older, they seem to develop dry eye more frequently. Diabetics develop ulcers and infected oh, yeah. ulcers more frequently. Uh, so yeah. it's part of a good healthcare, uh, you know, a yearly, yearly healthcare plan. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, because earlier you mentioned that hyaluronic acid, the cross-linked one, you said it was good for a lubricant um, and for that corneal ulcer that I had. Is it bad to use that? Like, because I'm sure you can use artificial tears, you can use all kinds of stuff, but can I use that as a prevention too? You can. Or am I just can. stuck with... And a lot of these buggy-eyed dogs would greatly benefit from having a lubricant such as that two to three mm -hmm. times a day. And I know that it, it sounds kind of funny and I, I say it to my clients all the time is I would not be in my OR at night as often as I am if these buggy eyed dogs received, you know, a couple times a day, some lubricant. Oh, wow. That's pretty incredible. That's powerful. That's powerful because man, if you could prevent having to A, have your dog go through that and B, having to pay for it as right. a client, that's incredible. That's incredible. Right. Dr. Hoyster, I don't, that, that's bad business, man. You're not supposed to give out those golden nuggets. What's wrong with you? Bro? Come on. I, I, you can tell the passion is there to save you. It's not about DJ. It's about the dogs. I love it. It is. It is. There, there's, there's plenty of work to go around. You know? <laughs> 
That's right. It's about the ocular it. support unit. He yeah. wants to take care of the dog. Got it. We got to <laughs> save these eyes, man. You know, we got that's, yeah. that's, that's what I'm here for. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I got I got one more quick question for you. Um, what is like the number one mistake that you see general practitioners making? Say no names, please, Jason. But Dr. Weisler, what's the number one mistake you see general practitioners making? The number one mistake that occurs in veterinary ophthalmology as it occurs to any other system in the body is not looking. If you, for wow. every mistake that you make for not knowing, you make 10 for not looking. Wow. So is that along the lines of the Schirmer tear test? Is that, include, is that what you mean by also not looking? If you, just, if, you just have, if you just look at that, then you get some data, you kind of know where your dog is and you kind of prevent some bad juju happening down the line. You do, but simply putting a light in the eye on your physical examination, you'll, you will learn to see a lot of different differences and changes, and, and inherently you'll start to find some diseases there that need to be addressed. So I'm always surprised at I'm hearing stories from you know, clients and things that the vet may not have even shined a light in their eye right in front of them to, to, as part of the physical exam. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, but I'm really thinking about that, like your beginning database. And I'm wondering about adding that to like the geriatric dog exam, you know, when they get to be like what, eight, nine, 10, you know, we're already, we recommend blood work once a year, but I'm also wondering, like you said, a lot of dogs will develop dry eye as they age. I'm wondering about that Shermer tear test being added in. Is it bad to do the Shermer tear test if you're not going to stain the eye? Like if you're just doing a, like adding to your geriatric dog profile? You really should do that, you know, and um, I'm also a big fan of, of making like a, a package sort of ophthalmology fee so that you, yeah. you, know, you do all three of them together yeah. because inevitably, you know, if you make them kind of an a la carte where you're charging X amount of dollars for a tear test and X you amount of dollars for pressure and no good. You allow, you know, the client to make that decision, right. darn it, it's just the, you know, who's ever rule in the universe that they'll pick the wrong one. And oh, then, of course. You know, and, and then you don't, you can't do it. They don't want to pay for the other one or something like that. So yeah. it, I think you make it a lot easier if you say, Hey, look, I think we're seeing some abnormalities here and it's X amount of dollars uh, in order to do this ophthalmic database. This is what I need to yeah. do to do my job. I think that that's a, a good way to go about it. Yep. Yeah. I'm that, gonna, actually, I'm gonna that call makes perfect eye sense. Yeah. Because you know what? That's what they do with us. Like I go to the ophthalmologist. It's not like they say, okay, here's what it costs for each one of these. So, so and I can be like, yeah, I don't want you to dilate them or I don't want you to do this part. It's like, you just get the bundle. Like you don't yeah. get an option. Yeah. yeah. You just get the bundle and it gives you everything they need so that they can do their job and you get the best treatment plan that way. Yeah. That's wonderful. So Dr. Jason, do you have any other burning eye medical questions for Dr. DJ or can we move on to the how can I possibly? How can I have possibly have a question when you covered everything, everything I, I, I needed to cover? It's perfect. It's, it's perfect. Let's move on to whatever you were going to say. Whatever okay. you were going to say. Wow, good job, Dr. Hoistler. He I don't think he said that about a guest. Holy so, cow. Um, we're going to move into the ever-popular, uh, I'm sure our producer told you that we like to play games with our guests. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did she not tell you? Did she no, tell you? No, but I'm happy to play. She didn't tell him? Yeah. No, no one's shocked. No, no, no vote and no one's shocked. Oh, mean trick. Okay. This sounds like so, it'll be even more fun. I wasn't ready. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's fun. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, uh, on the internet, there's all kinds of fun facts about eyeballs and dog's eyes in particular, right? And uh, I'm sure clients bring you these fun facts and ask you. So we're going to play internet truth or lies about dog eyes. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Ready? 
And we're going to get Jason to say if he thinks it's true. And then we're going to get you to say. Yeah, big okay. shock. Okay, I get to go first, right? Yeah, I can't just follow the expert. I, I vote that I should follow the expert. Okay. okay, all right. So here's a good one. Do dogs see fewer colors than humans do? That is a great one, right? And, and I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to answer. This is not what I think. No, hold, hold me accountable. I think dogs see fewer. Yes, I think dogs see fewer colors than okay. people. I'm going to go with yes. Dr. Hoistler? That is true. They yes. see fewer colors. Yes. All right. He started you know to which, Do you know which color they don't see? Ooh, he's asking you, not me. I already answered my question. I don't, red? Red. They don't see red. Oh, it's terrible. And I didn't Google that, friends. Candyverse. <laughs> I did not Google that. Okay, so they just don't see red. That's so awesome. stick with the yellow tennis ball. There you go. Yes, that's awesome. Okay, so the next one is, do... Dogs, so dogs have 20-20 vision, like humans. Like, that's the ideal for dogs. Because a 20-20 in a human is perfect vision. Right. Are you asking me that? Like, is that, yeah, is that, okay, is, could, do dogs have 20-20 vision? Are you asking me yes. that? I would yes. think they would have better than 20-20 vision, but we need 20-10. Like, I don't, I don't really know. So I'm going to say, I would say they have better vision than 20-20. Is that, is that even possible? So you're saying, no, they don't have 20-20. Correct. They don't have 20-20. Okay. With a caveat, I think they have better vision. Okay, we're just like, okay, Dr. Hoistler? They have worse than 2020 vision. Oh, it's terrible. Not only, not only did I get it wrong, I could have got it right. I just made sure I got it wrong, right? That's what I did. So their yeah. visual acuity is worse than people, but what they give up in visual acuity, they pick up in low light vision. So they have the structure in the back of the eye called a tapetum. And the tapetum is a reflective structure that helps them see in low light conditions. So they can see better at night than during the day. So, but a person's eye is more along the lines of like an HD television. They can see things more sharply. Ah. You know what? Maybe that's why the dog couldn't see the keys flying at him. Maybe maybe those keys were red. (laughs) Red keys in the daylight. He had no chance. Not in the dark. He'd be all over it. He was doomed to begin with. Okay. Okay, here's the last one, Jason. Are you ready? Yeah, I, I listen, one for three, no matter what, I'm good. Cats do not get cataracts. Cats don't get cataracts. So if I say yes, I agree, then that means I think cats do not get cataracts. Is that That's correct? That's correct. Okay, I agree. I don't think cats get cataracts. Dr. Hoistler? Cats get cataracts all the time. No! Oh, oh. Totally blew that one. We Man, can take those know. lenses out and put an artificial lens in and make them see again. Oh, my goodness. That's gracious. awesome. That's Who awesome. was named after him? It's a cataract. I should have, you know, what? I should, I should have figured that out, right? Come on. <laughs> okay, that's amazing. Okay, so that's pretty good. So, Spaymaster J, Doctor Jason, was two out of three. That's Not pretty bad. good, Jason. In, you're incorrect. I was one for three. Oh, well, you're only one. I got the one first one right. I got the second one wrong because I said they actually had better vision. I'm, I'm being very oh, honest. Oh yeah. Self, self, self actualizing. Oh yeah. And I completely blew the last one. Just, I, I should have missed two oh, for that one. And you had a 50-50 shot at that one, too. Yeah, life's hard. Yeah. <laughs> but Dr. Hoistler was 100. Yeah. He's batting 100. 100. Good yeah. for him. I mean, I, I, get, I guess it's, it's good he's an ophthalmologist. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I try my best. You know. That's right. That's right. You try your best. That is so awesome. Well, this has been super fantastic. The Dr. DJ Hoistler joining us in the Candyverse. And so what I'm going to do is... Uh, the first news hound, right? Because this is all about ophthalmology. 
the first news hound that emails me at jen at myvetcandy.com, which creature in the animal kingdom has considered to have the best vision, right? The longest, like the best vision. I'm going to send you some swag. Okay. Some vet candy and other news swag will be coming your way. If you email me, Jen at myvetcandy.com, the first, well, not the first, yeah, the first one to email me, the correct answer will get some swag and we'll announce your name on a podcast episode. Okay. So yeah. So this has been wonderful, Dr. Heisler. I'm so glad awesome. you joined us. Don't, 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 don't go yet. I obviously need some, some ophthalmology CE, like, like no one's business. So can we put that out there where we can find that again? DJ CE. I, I want to write that down. That's true. So, uh, yeah, so for more great um, CE on ophthalmology from Dr. Hoisler, the Dr. DJ Hoisler, um, you can get that at myvetcandy.com slash CE. The other thing is um, you can also download Dr. Hoisler's Guide to Corneal Disease for free on myvetcandy.com slash I, as in eyeballs, as in eyeballs gross me out. Yep, <laughs> slash I. <laughs> <laughs> okay so so it'll be it'll be awesome and you do all kinds of stuff because i we didn't even get into your hobby which is amazing because you post incredible stuff on linkedin because of your uh photography and video hobby in fact in the first episode of vet candy pop we had that incredible surgical video it was just incredible so um is there a website where people can find you and find some of your pictures yeah we have a instagram account at uh animal eye institute uh, you can find us on Facebook, also on uh, Animal Eye Institute, and then um, on LinkedIn, it's just under under my name, which is DJ Hoistler Jr. So yeah, it is uh, it is one of my hobbies. I like I like videoing and showing some cool uh, surgical procedures, and I uh, love photography. I've loved photography for for a really long time now. It's a fun hobby, and it's incredible. The rest of us benefit by it because the pictures that you post of of, of eyes, of retinas, of I mean, just crazy stuff that you see on a daily basis. It's just incredible. They're really clear and sharp, and I love the explanations. Thanks. So check out his Instagram account. Don't go there at lunch or supper time. <laughs> like a no, it's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we'll put all that in the in the episode notes, people. So don't run off the road trying to write this stuff down. Um, it'll be on the on the website. Yeah. So from the Candyverse, this is Dr. Jen, and I'm Dr. Jason. And this has been a good time with Dr. DJ Hoistler, and we'll see you on the next episode of In Other News. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.